Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Okay, we are going to uh, read from God's Word. We're going to read from James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to read from verses 2 through to verse 8. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, is verse 1, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Then verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Say perfect and complete. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Uh, and God will bless the reading of his word. Psalm 1 says, As we delight and meditate in the word, we, should, we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and we shall bring forth fruit in season, and whatever we do will prosper. Uh, do you want to prosper? Anybody want to? Yeah, there's one at the back who wants to prosper. Who, anyone want to see fruit in their life? Yeah, I want to see fruit in your life. Well, as we delight and meditate on God's word, his word says we will see it. And I was reading these verses in James the other day there, and there was a number of things that God, I felt, spoke to me as I was reading these verses and as I meditated on the, on the chapter. I'd never particularly seen these truths before, and so I wrote them down and I wanted to share them with you for your life, for your family life, for your situation. And the first verse I read was verse 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall. Joy when you fall. Well, have you ever fallen? Well, was the first uh, emotion joy? It really wasn't, was it? Uh, Walking along the street and you trip up in a curb or something and you fall. uh, Joy wasn't the first emotion that would would come. You, You fell. You didn't expect to fall, didn't want to fall, didn't try to fall. Uh, but you fell. You, you staggered, and it can hurt when you fall. And when you fall into a trial, 
as the Bible says in this verse 2, it hurts as well. Your faith is tested. Your friends are tested if it's a severe fall. Your fellowship with God can also be tested. You ask yourself, where's God in this fall? When's God coming to pick me up? Where's God's supply as I've fallen? You said, Lord, that you would supply all my need. And here I am, I've fallen, and I don't see the supply. In fact, the silence is deafening. There's no words, there's no prophecies, there's no healing, there's no encouragement. And uh, this general epistle, written by the half-brother of Jesus, written, he says in verse 1, to the twelve tribes... To the church. And it's written to those who have been persecuted uh, in the early days of the church because of their faith. And because of the persecution, they had been scattered from Jerusalem into all the world. And it was in that time, in that context, that situation, that their faith, their walk, their ministry, their whole belief system, even their theology, and also, obviously, their joy was, te- was tested. And how were they going to react to this test? What do you do when life doesn't work out how you thought it was going to work out? Can you still have joy? You see, in the early days of the New Testament, they were enjoying Jerusalem. Pentecost had just happened. It was like a a Holy Spirit party. People were becoming Christians right, left, and center. Thousands of people becoming Christians, getting added to the church. This was wonderful, brilliant, exciting. Cross was passed. Pentecost had come, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just wonderful news. And then one day, there was a martyr. Stephen was martyred. And suddenly a fear fell across these people. It was like a fall. And the trial begins. And they scattered everywhere to all known parts of the Roman Empire. The known world, if you like. And what they did was, and what's wonderful was, they preached the gospel (laughs) as they dived. They, They preached the gospel... As they, as they went. And it's to these 12 tribes, it's to this church, it's to these scattered people, it's to these Christians who feel like they have fallen, that he says, count it pure joy. Whenever you fall into various trials. Various trials. Inside every one of us, there's a different trial. Various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience being perseverance. Perseverance being resolve, endurance. And the truth is you never learn patience. And sorry, until you learn patience, you never really mature as a Christian. Until you learn that the problem, the trial, is really your preparation. See, people usually want to walk out of a trial rather than walk through a trial. We do, don't we? 
She said, just get me out of this. Just get me away from this. Get me away from him, get me away from her, get me away from them, and then everything's going to be fine. And until we read Psalm 23, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not out of the valley of the shadow. Walk through, right through the trial, right through the problem. Often we as Christians just want to walk out. So we see people come and we see people go in various trials, in various situations. They walk away, thinking if they walk out, they can walk away. The problem is, walking out never gets you away. Because when you walk away, the problem goes, <laughs> it goes with you, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm laughing because I just know it's so true. It, 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 you think, hang on a minute, I'm, I've seen this before in another life. Yeah, this was the exact same situation. And so you find people getting married five, six, seven, eight times. But really, they're lying in bed with wife number eight, and they're really lying in bed with wife number one because they haven't changed. So whatever your trial is, whatever your problem is, decide that you are going to walk through. And if you do, God will as my mother once said to me, perfect that which concerns you, which is a, a verse in the Bible. Because your answer to your fall and to your problem is on the other side as you walk through. Henry Ford said, failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. The first Christians were scattered, but the message of the cross didn't change. So the gospel was scattered with them. And the trial that they were going through was actually God's plan. Go ye into all the world. Well, when you're having a good time having a party, you don't want to go, do you? You don't want to go out into the wilderness when you're living in luxury, living in, in the Garden of Eden. You don't want to go out there. So they had the trial. Stephen was martyred. And everyone scattered. So that was the first thing that God showed me in these few verses. That in life, you will fall into various trials. It says, when you fall into. It doesn't say, now if you fall into a trial. It says, when you fall into a trial. Whatever that trial is. Maybe it's you believe in healing, but you're not healed. Maybe you believe God wants you to prosper, but you're not prospering. Maybe you believe God wants your family saved, but they're not saved. Maybe you're believing for a new job, but there's no new job. When you fall into a trial, not if you fall into a trial, when you fall in. So that was the first thing God showed me. Second thing God showed me is, if you lack anything, ask for wisdom. If you lack anything in your life, ask for wisdom. And if any of you, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. 
I read those verses, verses 4 and verses 5. Verses 4 finishes with, you may be mature, perfect, and complete, not lacking anything. And then he says, and if you lack wisdom, I'm thinking, these don't make sense. doesn't make sense if verse 5 comes after verse 4. Verse 5, and if he lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What has lacking anything got to do with wisdom? That was the question that was in my mind. What is, like, if you're lacking money, why do you need wisdom? If you're lacking this or that or the next, why do you need wisdom? Then God said, showed me Solomon. God asked him, what do you want? What do you lack? He said, he, I mean, this was a wise guy as it was. Because he had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. Tells you that he was pretty wise. And God asked him, what did you want? Well, let's quickly look at um, 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 1, verse 7. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Just you imagine, just you imagine God coming to you and saying, Ask anything. What, what do you want? <laughs> just imagine that. Some of, you, some of you look like, you know, you've swallowed a bad pill. That you, you know, that you, but just think about that. God says to you, ask, just ask. I'll give you anything. What, what would you ask? <laughs> Can I just finish my job, Lord? Can I just finish? Can I just have enough money to last my whole lifetime? Or maybe somebody would be a bit more adventurous and say, Can I have just enough money to last my whole lifetime and my children? Or somebody else might be more adventurous and say, And my children's children. Trust fund for them. Or can I just have this? Or can I just have that? So God appeared to Solomon and said, What shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to my father David and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, verse 9, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. In other words, there's so many of these people. Now, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, have you not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people, God says, over whom I have made you king, must be about my father's business. Remember Jesus said that? Solomon was about his father's business. Verse 12, wisdom and knowledge, God says, are granted to you. Now that would have been wonderful, just getting that. And that, then it goes on, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Amazing. Amazing verses. What did he ask for? He asked for wisdom and for knowledge. And when he asked for wisdom and knowledge, he got everything else thrown in. If God came to you tonight and said, what do you want? Would it be promotion, upgrade, your house, better house, better family, better wife, better husband, more money, better car? What would you take? What would you ask for? Or would you say, no, Lord, I want wisdom and knowledge so I can do my job better? That's really what Solomon was saying. 
priorities were brilliant. See, your trial, and maybe Solomon's trial was dealing and judging these people, and he didn't have the answers. Your trial will make you ask for wisdom, for your problem. Don't ask for the way out, ask for the wisdom to go through. The way out of most situations is money. That's the way out. You know, people have said to me, I would leave him if I had enough money. <laughs> I would leave her if, if she had enough money or I had enough money. Money answereth all things, the Bible says. And the way out, generally speaking, is money. But the way through is wisdom. Why is the way through wisdom? It's because wisdom and going through the problem will stop you falling into that trial again. A quick fix, you'll do it again. (laughs) You will. So don't ask for money when God comes calling. Ask for wisdom. Wherever you've fallen, however you have fallen, don't ask to get out. Ask for wisdom to go through. And if you ask for wisdom to go through, God will give you everything else. So that was the second thing God showed me. When you're lacking, ask for wisdom. Third thing he showed me was verse 6. It says, verse 6, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Asking in faith with no doubting. I wrote this down, I saw somewhere. Unanswered prayer is connected to the quality of the asking, not to the unwillingness of God to give. Unanswered prayer is connected to the quality of the asking not to the unwillingness of God to give. So my third point was, or is, if you lack, ask God in faith. Actually learn how to ask from God. We've got three children. None of them are here, although they do have spies in the camp. But um, <laughs> and all three of them ask for things in different ways. And I know that some children ask well, and some children don't have a clue how to ask. Some children ask with total and utter faith. You're going to do this. It's almost a threat. You're going to do this for me now. But other children don't ask as well. Maybe they're timid. Maybe they're embarrassed. Maybe they don't feel they're worthy. And they don't ask as well. Some children ask with total and utter faith. Why would my father, why would my mother not do this? Of course they're going to do it. They've got believing faith. No doubt at all that you're going to do what they've asked you to do. They ask with certainty and confidence and conviction. And when I was in sales, I very quickly learned 
that if I asked for the order with confidence and conviction and certainty and boldness, then more often than not I would receive the order. If I asked being timid or with embarrassment or with fear or with little belief or I didn't believe in the product that I was selling and that came across, then more often than not I wouldn't get the order. So as a salesman, personally with me, I found it very difficult to sell something I did not believe in. But when I believed in the product, I was the best salesman in the company. But I had to believe in the product. I had to believe that this product would help their business. And if I believed that, then generally speaking, I'd make the sale. If I didn't believe, it would come across that I didn't really believe they should have it. There'd be a lack of boldness, a lack of confidence, a lack of faith. And the client consciously or subconsciously would pick up on that. You know that when somebody's trying to sell you something. Or even with, dare I say it, with a doctor who's treating you. If they're treating you with, with, with one hand on the computer trying to figure out on Google what your problem is <laughs> and the other hand on the prescription thing what shall I give them you're thinking I think I'm going to have to go on Google myself you know but if they, they say I've seen this dozens hundreds thousands of times I know exactly what you need what you need is this 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 you think great and you buy into what the prescription is don't you you pick it up consciously or subconsciously. I, I mean, I stand up here every week or a lot of weeks teaching from a book that I totally and utterly believe in. If I did not believe in it or if I had any doubts in it, then I would struggle to declare the truths that are in it. I couldn't preach it. But because I know deep down at a level deep, deep level, that this book is utterly and totally true, I preach it, hopefully, with conviction. To tell you that, number one, that you can have joy in your fall. And you will fall. That's not a prophetic declaration. That's just a truth. There will be trials in your life. And if you're 20-something, 30-something, and you say, I've never had, I, I was, I was, uh, what age would I be, get this right, 40-something, gone through all sorts of hassles and trials and problems and issues, and my sister said to me, not with, with, with boldness or with confidence or with a sense of pride, she says, Ray and I really haven't had any problems Really, you know, you like Tom's been through this, and Jim, this is my other brothers, they've been through that. She says, I just, you know. And she wasn't saying it with arrogance, she was just stating a fact. And then we know the trials that she fell into. And praise, praise God, she's got joy in the fall, joy in the trial. So if I, I couldn't stand here and preach that if I didn't know it was true. So I know number one's true. I know number two's true. Until you begin to learn to ask for wisdom, you will never mature 
into who God wants you to be. If you just want to keep getting out of things, out of problems, out of situations, just keep, get me out of this, get me out of this, then you'll just keep getting into this, whatever this is. Money is not your answer. Wisdom is your answer. And number three, you need to improve the quality we need to improve the quality of, of our asking in faith, without doubt, without fear, believing. So how, how do I do that? Do, does it make me, do, if I sweat, does that make it believe more? If I pray more, pray more, does that make me believe more? If I read my Bible, does that make me believe more? But it's not going to make you believe less. But what you need for you to be able to improve the quality of your asking is to get a revelation of the product. To get <laughs> the coffee's kicking in. <laughs> the, to improve your asking is to get a revelation of the product. When you start to believe in the product, your asking will improve. That's why you need to follow the guidance what we've been hearing at the Connect Group. If you go to a Connect Group, you'll know. Most of our prayers that we pray unintelligently are, Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I need money. Jesus, I need you to sort them out. Oh, Jesus, just help me. Help me, Jesus. And occasionally, our prayers need to be like that, and I, I like that. But if I'm continually shouting, instead of saying, Jesus saying, Susan, Susan, sort this out. Susan, sort this. Susan, this. Susan, Susan, Susan. Then that doesn't breed intimacy, does it? Is you're desperate. And if you have a salesman who ever comes into you to sell you something and you pick up they're desperate, you, the one thing you're not going to do is buy from them, <laughs> whatever they're selling. We cannot have intimacy. We cannot have trust if we're just shouting in desperation all the time. So in our connect groups, we were learning that we come into his courts with thanksgiving. And into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And we live a life of worship. We don't stand at the front and worship. We, we live a life of worship. So we come into his gates with thanksgiving. We thank him for what he's already done for us. Then we begin to praise him for who he is. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever. Verse 14 of chapter 5 of, uh, I think it's Revelation, says, When this was said and declared, the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Yes, it's Revelation. The four living creatures Special angelic beings who exist just to praise God forever before his throne. Six wings constantly saying, holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and the Lamb be blessing. And they fall down and worship the Lamb. Why do I read that? They fell down, they do fall down and worship him who sits on the throne. Count it all joy when you fall. Two different falls, obviously. But if we would begin to worship as we fall, then we will get a joy that we don't normally get. It will mean that our fall will not be in vain. Bible says, James says, count it all joy. So in your problem, in your pain, in your trial, learn to worship a life of worship through your trial, through your pain. And if you do that, a real joy, not a superficial joy, but a deep down joy will begin to emerge out of your life. As we give him thanksgiving, as we give him praise, as we worship him with everything we have. So many of us are going through trials. James says, count it joy. Count it all joy. All joy. When you fall, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. God's bringing you through trials because he wants you to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. (laughs) Now you see your trial in a different way, I hope. But let patience have its perfect work. Let your trial just go through. Come through your trial. Start it, middle it, and finish it. Have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Then it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Don't let that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord because he's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So when you ask God, when you come to God, come expecting. You know, come knowing deep down that he's a good God and he's going to give you the desires of your heart. He is. Literally going to give you the desires of your heart. Things in your heart that he's placed there and you don't. Where did that come from? Where did that desire come from to go to the mission field? Where did that desire come to to bless people? Where did that desire come to get to the top of whatever profession you're in? Where did that desire come from? He has placed them 
in our hearts. There's a reason that the good that you want to do, that you want to do it. Because he has given you the desires of your heart. And he wants your trial to be a perfect and a complete fall. So that when you fall, when you get back up and you come through, you're two different people. You've learned so much. You haven't just walked away. You haven't opted out. But you've come through. And that makes it perfect. That makes it complete. The other disciples were taking Jerusalem. They were rejoicing. And then they fell into a trial as they would see it. And the trial was they were scattered. Friends scattered Brothers, sisters scattered into all the world. And in their fall and in their trial and in their scattering, God's will was done. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's what they did through their trial. And because they did that, God got the glory. And in our trials, in our issues... In our problems, God wants to get the glory. And as he gets the glory, we can learn so, so much. So, so much. And being pastor, uh, pastoring now for, for however many years it is, 14 years with Susan, 14 years in the Freedom Center, I see the people who go through and I see the people who walk out. And the people walk out, they just walk into the same situation someplace else. Whatever it is, whether it be a church, a business, a job, a relationship, they just walk into the same situation. Same problem, because the problem went with them. But when people walk through, there's a different person that appears at the other side. A different person, a different spirit, a different attitude. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy that follows us all the days of our life. Father, I thank you that you want us to be perfect and complete. And Lord, we're far from it. So often there's things in our life that we fall into, Lord. You haven't pushed us, but we've fallen. I pray, Lord Jesus, you give us the strength, give us the will, give us the grace to continue on the journey, to walk through instead of walking out, to be with us. Give us joy, a supernatural joy. Make us perfect and complete, Lord. Make us, dare we say it, more like Jesus. More like Jesus. More like the Lord that we say that we trust and the Lord that we say we follow. More like Jesus. Perfect. Complete. With joy. And a grace. That the world cannot fathom. For those of us Lord who are deep. In trial right now. We're fallen and we wonder whether we'll ever get back up. We're wondering whether we'll ever come through. Thank you that you bring us through, that we can walk on, 
through the valley of the shadow. You bring us through, Lord. You bring us out tenderly, lovingly, caringly. And we're never the same. So we come out trusting more. We come out believing more. We come out with a grateful heart. We come out knowing there is a God in heaven who loves me. There is a God in heaven who cares. There is a God in heaven who I can trust. Absolutely. 100%. And for those of us, Lord, who are struggling to trust, struggling to obey, struggling to recognize that you want the very best for us, Lord, give us the grace, give us the wisdom to understand that. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.